Hi, my name is Sarah Jones and I am the founder and a funeral director at Full Circle Funerals. In this podcast, I'll be speaking to real people who share their experiences of arranging and then attending a funeral for someone they care about. They're going to share their tips, what they were worried about and their advice in the hope that this will help other people who find themselves in the same situation. There's lots of resources available on websites, uh, in books and in other media where professionals like funeral directors and bereavement practitioners share their tips. But this podcast is all about people with their own lived experience sharing their accounts in the hope that that will help and inspire others. Today I'm speaking to Helen from Make It Wild and um, thank you very much for coming to speak to us Helen. Make It Wild is a rewilding project in North Yorkshire and they also do lots of other things and I'm sure Helen will tell us a little bit about that as we speak. So thank you for um, taking the time to come and speak to us and share your experience. And it would be really helpful if it's okay with you, if you could start by telling us who the funeral was for and maybe a little bit about the events that sort of led up to you needing to make the arrangements. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks very much for having me, Sarah. And I hope some of what I say can be useful um, to people. So the funeral, really the only funeral that I've been involved with actually was um, last summer. And so that was about six or seven months ago. and it was my mother-in-law who um, had um, sort of end-stage dementia, really, um, for the preceding few months. Um, and it was all a bit complicated because she had been in hospital and then wasn't well enough to go home. And so was in um, a, a nursing home near her home. But that was not near either of her children, so my husband or his sister. So um, they arranged for her to be transferred to a nursing home near um, Chris's sister, which happened to be in Wales. She lives just she she lives just over the border of Wales. Um, really, it's a suburb of Chester, but it's in Wales. Um, and that added a, an extra level of complexity because she wanted to be buried with her late husband in the church graveyard um, of the village that she lived in but now she she was she had died in Wales so that just to add an, an extra level of complexity really but that's that's the kind of lead up to it really and the um the added level of complication. Can you remember at the time whether there was anything that was particularly on your mind so as you started to make the arrangements, do you remember what your priorities were and what you were you were focused on? Yeah, I mean, we we as you, as you've said, you know, we're we're into rewilding, so we're very um, eco minded family, very conscious of the environment, about you know nature and not harming the planet in any way. So we would have hoped, I, I think, um, if if kind of the world was our oyster and we could have whatever funeral we wanted, I think we would have wanted to make it really as as eco-friendly as as we could have and, and as, you know, minimising any potential harm to the planet. And actually, the other thing is that um, Sylvia, my mother-in-law, is a very, was a very um, straightforward kind of a, 
a woman not given to sort of airs and graces really and um she was you know hugely popular and, and loved and and although it was a sort of pandemic um funeral there were loads and loads of people came and lots of people watched the live stream and it was that that was all very lovely but I think some of what we ended up (laughs) having wouldn't have really suited her which I can explain a bit more about so I think some kind of simple simplicity and um yeah and and a kind of warmness would have been nice and and the whole eco-friendly thing they were probably the two overriding um things we would have wanted yeah okay and um so I I feel like maybe um it would be helpful if you're happy to to tell us I guess a little bit about the process and and how that panned out and maybe what worked well for you and and what didn't work so yeah in in her latter few days um we we called at her house on on the way um to sort of be with her in her last sort of few days really so we and the parish newsletter had come through the door so we thought oh, well, we'll look in there you know we'll get the vicar's phone number we'll we'll see if there is a funeral director and so on so we were sort of prepared but I think um my sort of tip to people would be if you can possibly at that terrible time or potentially terrible time just think what what is important and do a bit of research and try and find a funeral director that's going to suit your what you really want when, when you're thinking about it in a calm and you know you, you've you have all your um emotional resources intact or a bit more than you do in the aftermath if you see what I mean so I think we could potentially have have phoned around a few more funeral directors and found someone that was a bit more like had some of the features that were important to us I mean the guy we ended up with was very local knew the vicar you know all that side of things was very good um but it was extremely traditional and he he didn't understand at all our wishes um our two wishes really for it to be as eco-friendly as possible and as least harmful to the planet and and he didn't really get the thing about the simplicity and um kind of homeliness I think would have been would have suited her very well if you, if you can have a homely funeral I mean I don't know if you can you, yeah I think that's a lovely word and, yes. and I guess if that's the word that springs to mind when you think about your mother-in-law I yes. think that's and I think that's a really really helpful thing to share because it is definitely um possible for people to consider the tone and the feeling yes, that they want yeah. to and it might not be something that everybody realizes mm-hmm. that actually you you can decide how you would like it to feel yes and yes homely sounds sounds yeah. really well I, really yeah, I mean nice. I I I think yeah the tone the tone is a very good way of putting it actually because it's I mean, I suppose the bit in the church, um, what was as we wished it, because we'd we'd sort of designed, you know, what, who spoke, and, and obviously they'd written their own words. Um, Chris spoke and his sister spoke, and um, the sort of first uh, grandson. Um, 
and that that was all lovely and that did have a very homely feel and there were funny little anecdotes about her and all that kind of thing but it was it was some of the it was the bits of the um you know well I've, to, I've told you this but we, we specifically said to him we don't want your top hat and all this Victorian stuff you know we that really isn't her style at all what wasn't her style and isn't our style but so we said please don't and so they said oh yes we'll make a note of that and there he turned up in with all his top hat and everything and I was at the end of the drive and met met him before the rest of the family and I said oh gosh remember we didn't we didn't really want the top hat and everything um, and he was he looked aghast and and I said well remember you know we had the phone call at which we said we didn't want all that so he said oh well put it down then a bit kind of affronted so that that was all, all a bit awkward <laughs> um but as I um you know there, there was a very good thing which was the audio visual thing and the, he set all that up with with another uh, you know third party and that was really lovely so um it was in the aftermath of the pandemic but there were lots of people that couldn't travel and um they were able to watch on the live stream and and watch afterwards on youtube so that was really nice um but it was i think the tone is a very good word for it the tone just was a bit off really on the bits the bits that we had control of was good but some of the other bits were a bit just a bit off off what we would have wanted You've mentioned um, wanting the funeral to consider the planet and um, that you had some, some clear views about that. Did you have anything particular in mind that you'd be happy to share? What, what were you thinking about well, in we, terms of the funeral? We, we wanted, um, the, uh, you know, a, a coffin or a, um, a, a vessel that the, her body would be in to be as have least impact and be I suppose I mean biodegradable really I mean I don't, I don't you know I don't think it's um disrespectful to to say that really so we ended up with a wicker coffin but um I don't think he had a very large menu of available coffins whereas I think if we'd come to you for example we might have found you know a cardboard one or a a, a different kind of you know material um so but that that was okay and i think you know the, the fact that we said we we don't want wood and metal and all that you know i think he he that was a sign to him that we were going to that was quite unusual for him i think um so so yeah that was that was one of the things i mean there's a lot of sort of almost verging on taboo things really like embalming the body I mean we you know we didn't know that we we were kind of railroaded into that and I don't really it I mean I was I'm the daughter-in-law so it really wasn't my place and and you know that her two bereaved children you know just said oh yes we better do that but I think had had we had more time and more headspace we might have said well I don't really think that's that's right it doesn't seem very natural you know we're now putting a load of chemicals into the ground um but i mean this is the sort of thing that i think on the run-up you know even when they're not even close apparently close to needing a funeral might be the time to talk about some of those things i know that you know we we really should talk about our funerals more um and although she wasn't in a fit state to discuss that kind of thing. Her, her children 
could have been. And perhaps if we did researched a bit more about the, the necessity or not of embalming the body, um, then you know we might have felt better to stand our ground and say, well, no, you know, we don't want that. Um, so it's it's things like that, really. Some some of the things that we I, th I think researching is actually my main tip, really, because you don't know what you don't know until you suddenly get faced with this question. Oh, of course you're going to have your mum embalmed. We weren't even expecting that to be a question or a, or a, we didn't know that that was a thing to do um and the other thing is as you know i ended up with the job of um choosing her outfit to be buried in which was lo a lovely lovely thing and i because i was i don't know while she was alive i would be the one who would make comment on you know <laughs> clothes or handbags or whatever so that was really really lovely thing but i hadn't known that we were going to be asked what she should wear you know I, we just didn't really know much about about it I suppose this is the first of, of that generation um that we've had to to organize a funeral for so yeah so I, I think forewarned is forearmed actually in a lot of these things uh, and I think you're it, it's very unique situation isn't it where quite quickly you're being asked a lot of questions mm. that you probably haven't really had to think about before mm. and you might have discussed some of them but not many of them mm. and you're having to make decisions quickly and include other people's views yeah. and do it at a time when often you're tired because maybe mm. you know there's been a build-up to um, the time where you need to make the arrangements and of course there's a there's a myriad of emotions going on mm. so um, but I think your suggestion about maybe if you can take the time to do a little bit of research mm. is a really good one and actually maybe just about the things that feel important mm. because there are a lot of things to consider and, and to make it a little bit more practical and um, feel a bit more achievable maybe it's, a, it's about choosing one or two things that actually really feel like they're meaningful mm. or important mm. Mm. Um, and, and I wonder if um, it might also be for, for people listening, if they're in that situation, it might be worth thinking about delegating that to somebody. There'll be a lot mm. of people who, who want to show their support and actually maybe asking them to take on a task and think, actually, would you mind just having a look for me? What, mm. what is the most environmentally friendly coffin? Yeah. Or yeah. what are the rules yeah. about this? And actually maybe, maybe asking or letting people help, which is so mm. hard to do, isn't it? Mm. In the throes of everything. Mm. And Helen, when you look back now, what did you find most meaningful about the funeral? Oh gosh, um, I think the the fact that her two children, you know, spoke very, very lovingly and uh, amusingly. I mean, she was a funny lady, always laughing. I mean, that's one of my main memories. And there was a lot of laughter, really, about some of the funny things she'd said and done. And that was rather lovely. Um, and her grandson. Um, also spoke um very yeah very all very movingly um and yeah the fact that so many of her nephews and nieces had come and yeah i mean it was there, there was definitely the sense of of her in in the in the room in the church um 
and it was it was kind of the before and after which was just a, lost the tone a little bit really but i possibly most people wouldn't have even noticed but i but i i was quite i did i did <laughs> um, yeah. you've alluded to this already but what advice would you have for people who need to arrange a funeral for someone listening now who's sort of at that, uh, at that point um, I, I think don't don't be forced into the first I mean I think it's okay to change your mind I mean I think if we'd have at any point we could have gone back to the funeral director and said oh by the way we've we've read this and we, we decided we want a different coffin um so I think don't be forced into making any decisions um and and yeah try, and you know forewarned is forearmed so some of the questions I mean I I as I said, I wasn't aware there was going to be the question of embalming at all. I didn't know that was um, a process that, you know, was, would be, we would be asked about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, th I think don't, don't be rushed into decisions. You know, you, it, you are in charge and, you know, it, it, um, you're paying the, these people to do, to deliver a service. So, um yeah, because I, I think it, there's a sense of um, hand, handing over the responsibility because you're in a bit of a blubbering mess. Um, they seem to know what they're doing and it's their job. So I think it's easy to just give in and let them do it their way. Just like we, I could have easily let him keep his top hat and all that, but I just knew that would have really wouldn't have been, I mean, she would have thought it was ridiculous. So I had to <laughs> step in, but I think there were, there were other things along the way that where we could have said, oh, hold on a minute, you know, we don't, we just, we're not sure this is quite right. Um, so I think, yeah, I, th I think that's to be, be as aware as you can of, of all the options and, and don't be worried about asking and exploring and researching really. Okay, mm. that's great advice. Thank you, Helen. And then one last question. Do you have any advice or thoughts that might help people who are grieving? Gosh, um, I, th I think in a way you you have to give in to it. Actually, I mean, I I I you know that I wasn't really expecting to be that affected, but I was absolutely. Um, I mean, I I was fairly close to it, but not not terribly close, really. Um, and her her children, I think, had done their grieving before because she had had dementia very badly. Um, but it, it, what was the most um, sort of profoundly sad for me was, was to see her in her final couple of days. And, and I, I mean, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get the image of that out of my mind. But um, so several people told me useful things, if that's a problem, which is um, have a, a really happy photograph of the person when they were doing smiling doing something lovely um and that was really really helpful um and to to um to sort of counteract those terrible images with with really happy ones and and you know three is, seems to be a powerful number in this context so have three <laughs> lovely photographs and it uh, that that was really really useful to me the two things that you've mentioned there actually i think will probably resonate a lot of people and the first being that I guess the experience that you're going to have might not quite be what you expect mm -hmm. so it might be more powerful 
and it might mm. be feel more profound than you were expecting or it might mm. be the other way mm. might be mm. that there's been a lot of anticipation and and actually how you're experiencing it maybe doesn't feel as intense as you thought mm. and so you said as you said you've got to got to go with it and mm. the mm. expectations are a layer that are that are really tricky mm. and I think that really advice is so helpful so thank you for sharing that because I, I there will certainly be many people who have an image in their mind that actually maybe isn't serving them mm. and uh, the thought of having something so practical that mm. people can do that might help with that I think it's mm. really powerful so thank mm. you for sharing that is there anything that I haven't asked or that you would like to say that you think might be helpful that you'd like to end on gosh I mean I just you know wish people the very best at this difficult time really and um you know you 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 will make a lovely um occasion for your your loved one and you will get over the grief you know time is a great healer I don't I think time on its own may not be I think you may need some little tricks like like looking at a lovely photograph or something like that um but you you do you do get through it and you you sort of convert the loss into a gratefulness that your lives overlapped and that's that that was my kind of uh, each time you know somebody important dies I, I that's now my thought that I console myself with really so and before we go will you tell us just a little bit about the memorial trees that you have in your beautiful um ancient woodland oh yes i will how people might be able to find out more about that if they would like to yes okay so um yeah we 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 have a um a lot of ancient woodland that we look after and and we plant a lot of trees too but we have one piece of land which is um devoted wholly to becoming a memorial woodland and there's no other activity or anything else takes place there um, and so all the trees there are planted with the ashes of a loved one um, and we we're working in partnership with a guy who's patented a method of combining cremation ashes with growing compost um, to safely plant a tree which is planted in a biodegradable pouch and he nurtures it and looks after it over a couple of months then the pouch with the tree gets brought to our memorial woodland and the family can join in um, planting the tree and we've had and they can water it and um, put the you know the bark chippings on it and make it all lovely um, it comes with a plaque with the words of their choice um, and it's been it's been <laughs> we've had some absolutely wonderful days with the family joining to plant the tree and We've had singing, we've had poetry readings, champagne, dancing, all kinds. And it, it, it's really, it really, really seems to help people to, you know, have this process and a kind of a ceremony. Um, and then there is a tree growing and that's like a new life from a life that was lost. And it, it, it really does seem to help people. And it's a lovely thing for people to know about isn't it it's you know there are so many decisions to be made as you've said um leading up to the funeral and then the funeral is is a really key event for most people but it's also nice to have that reminder that there is also so much time afterwards mm. that if people would like to have another small formal or informal ceremony that involves the ashes or not um mm. then there are so many opportunities after the funeral mm. for people to still connect 
with each other and themselves and the person yeah. who's really ongoing yes, yes absolutely and we've, we've um just one quick thing is that yeah for several of the people who've had a tree planted the um surviving spouse has reserved the plot next door next to the tree and we we hadn't anticipated this being a possibility really but of course we we do it now and people love it so they know this is you know my dear lost wife tree and i'm going to be under a tree next to her that just adds a a lovely level too so it's we're we're really really pleased to be able to offer this yeah and that's all on our website makeitwild.co.uk if i may (laughs) say that yeah stick it in absolutely thank you so much helen that's wonderful and thank you to everyone uh who's listened and as helen said please do get in touch with her if you want to know more about um, memorial trees and thank you so much for being so candid and open and sharing your story to oh, help you're us. very welcome well i hope i hope it helps someone at a difficult time thank you thank you for listening to this episode of how to arrange a funeral actual tips from real people with me sarah jones from full circle funerals If you found this episode helpful, then please do take a look at some of our other episodes. And if you'd like any additional help or resources, then hopefully you will find something that helps you on our website, which is www.fullcirclefunerals.co.uk. Please feel free to get in touch if you have any suggestions, any questions or any thoughts for episodes which may be helpful in the future. Take care.